Underwriting for the production of AutoLine this week has been provided by... AutoLine is brought to you in part by the commercial vehicle brands of Tenneco. Pioneering global ideas for cleaner air and quieter, smoother, and safer transportation. Ford Warner, developing advanced technologies specifically aimed at reducing emissions, increasing fuel economy, and improving performance. Our award-winning innovations extend from turbocharging and cooling systems to friction materials and diesel cold start technology. Built on a century-long reputation of innovation and reliability, we have the track record that proves our technology can help meet the challenges of the commercial truck and off-highway industry. Deloitte's Automotive Group is at the forefront, driving transformation and tackling complex challenges. Whether you are interested in globalizing operations, optimizing supply chains, mitigating enterprise risk, or driving innovation, Deloitte can help develop solutions that create long-lasting value. To learn more about Deloitte's Automotive Group, visit us online at Deloitte.com backslash US backslash automotive. Here is your host, John McElroy. Thank you for joining us on AutoLine this week, where we're coming to you from the TU Telematics Conference in Detroit, all about connected cars ultimately leading to autonomous vehicles. Today, we want to dive deeper into that topic, especially from a regulatory and legislative aspect. And joining me for today's show are three experts in that field, including Jude Huron with the Management Services and Program Division of the Nevada Department of Motor Vehicles, Kathy Curtis is the Director of Vehicle Programs for the AAMVA, the American Association of Motor Vehicle Administrators. Yes. Did I get that right, You Kathy? got it right. I got a gold star. Yeah, okay. You do. And Chan Liu, a Senior Legislative Advisor with the law firm Venerable LLP. I want to thank all three of you for joining us on AutoLine this thank week. You. Thank you. Chan, let me start with you. Boy, this connected car technology, autonomous technology, coming faster than a whole lot of people ever thought it would. Absolutely. So let's start out talking about it. Can legislators and regulators keep up with this technology? Well, I think the legislators and regulators right now are taking a very appropriate approach, which is allowing it to kind of unfold on its own without you know, tr stamping on the innovation that's happening. There's a lot of activity going on uh, in the automotive space. You know, frankly, I've been out to the California more often than I've been out to Detroit this past year, just given the amount of innovation that's happening. And Congress, while it's keeping a careful eye, and while the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, NHTSA, the regulator, federal regulator, is also paying attention, they're letting it unfold because it is the manufacturers who are, you know, best in place to put out the product, to do the testing, to understand what their risks are, to make sure that they educate, you know, their consumers in buying these products and seeing how these positive safety benefits can really help save, you know, a lot of lives on the roadways. Kathy, you work with all kinds of Department of Motor Vehicle administrators throughout the 50 states. What's your uh, assessment of how they're keeping up with this technology? Well, we're, we're working hard to make sure that the DMVs understand the technology. They have some experience with it. They're, uh, we're reading research papers. We're sharing that information with them. And we've uh, developed a, a working group that's developing best practices for regulating uh, autonomous vehicles. Um, the, the DMVs understand that we need to balance regulation and innovation. 
and um, there is there's a place to balance it. It's a fine line. We don't want to overregulate, but we want to make sure that the vehicles are safe when they're out on the highways as they're being tested. And I want to get more into that. Very interesting how they're all talking amongst each other. But first, let's get a, a viewpoint from somebody who is in that very part of it. And uh, Jude, of course, Nevada has been recognized as one of the pioneers in coming out with the legislation to enable autonomous vehicles. But walk us through a little bit about how you guys went through that and, and how you're trying to keep up with this amazing pace of technology. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Nevada came out with it uh, through a legislative process. Uh, it was actually lobbied by Google, uh, and they successfully uh, uh, had that adopted through the 2011 legislative session. The interesting point or the timeline that we had with state government is once they pass the bill, they say, here, now you have to build regulations by this time period. So the time period was very small. We, within four months, actually analyzed it, brought in the stakeholders, insurance companies, law enforcement, auto industry, NHTSA. Actually, Chan was part of that, which is great. Uh, he was a big help. And um, we tried to build the first type of regulations because we knew that all the other states were going to look at what was built. Nothing has been built yet. So we were kind of the guinea pigs. Uh, Why were you the guinea pigs? And I'm fascinated by what you said, that Google really came and started lobbying right. for this to happen. Why Nevada? Why not California or someplace else? Our, our belief is that they weren't having much success in California, so they found a lobbyist in Nevada. And our governor, uh, Governor Sandoval, is always uh, innovative technology, uh, cutting-edge state. So he grabbed onto that in a heartbeat, and uh, we, we welcomed that partnership. The, there's a there's a cutting edge sword on this. There's a double side. It was great because it brought it to the it brought it to the people of what this technology is, but it also brings some concern early on that we saw. And just to piggyback off of what Chan and, and uh, Kathy has said, um, how we implement this is crucial. And our biggest plug is, is that we need to get the major stakeholders at the table. You got to get it right the first time because you you're really setting right. this for everybody to follow. Exactly, because if we go down the road that we're going and we just allow each state to build their own regulations, the industry won't welcome that whatsoever and we'll set this project back. The federal government's working hard with international uh, uh, governments as well as local governments through ANVA, which Kathy and I are a part of. Um, but there is a concern that we, we need to make sure that we get a collective body of all stakeholders in one area and start to deal with the testing, the definitions, how this is going to affect the consumers, the law enforcement, insurance company, the infrastructure of your highways, and so forth. And we can deal with that in one mechanism because everybody's looking for someone, some one area to go to for the information. There's pockets of that. We need to bring the experts together. Kathy, in your discussions with all the DMV groups, are they really lunching off, so to speak, what Nevada's doing? Absolutely. Nevada, California, Michigan are really the leaders, and we are looking at their, their legislation, uh, looking at what they believe has gone well, what lessons have they learned, um, sharing some of their experiences so that the other states can piggyback off from those good experiences and, and the ones that they would have rather went some other way. So Can you give us some for instances? What are they saying, hey, these are really good ideas and maybe here's something we better avoid? Well, one of the things that have come up recently is um, Nevada has a, 
a specific license plate for um, autonomous vehicle testing. And some of the manufacturers have found if they're driving from one state to another that they would rather not have to stop at the state border and change license plates. So that's something that we're looking at. Yep. You just Nevada need the James Bond one right. where you hit a button yeah. and it goes yeah. around, Flip it and right? go. Yeah. Flip it and go. Yeah. Uh, Chan, very interesting that you, you've been helping uh, along in all this of setting uh, the regulatory and, and the legislative uh, agenda. What are some of the things that you think were key in getting Nevada to enact its legislation, California and Michigan too? What would you like to see the rest of the 50 states do? Because the last thing the auto industry right. or the tech industry wants is 50 different pieces of legislation. Absolutely, exactly. absolutely. I think this is where ANVA comes in, you know, really plays yeah. a key role is, you know, developing those best practices and that model legislation that, you know, you take what makes the most sense from the state safety perspective, from the auto manufacturer's perspective, kind of what they need to do their testing, and then from there, how to operationalize that. How do you put these vehicles on the roadways in a safe manner that ensures public safety, um, and get that consistent across the board. And ultimately, I see that, you know, once we get sort of that, um, you know, momentum, if we get to, get to that tipping point, ultimately, that's when Congress will step in and say, kind of standardize it and have, you know, maybe some sort of federal statute that kind of bring everybody together so you don't have, you know, different, you know, patchworks and different approaches from one state to another. Right. Okay, we're talking about Nevada, California, Michigan, setting the stage, the rest of the 50 states. What about the rest of the world, Chan? Because this is going to be critical that the United States doesn't, right. doesn't develop a, uh, a system of uh, standards, Europe do something else, China yet another thing. Right. I think this is one of those great opportunities where, you know, the automobile historically has had a lot of, you know, very various differences, you know, in, in the global world. You know, in England, they drive on the other side of the road. So auto manufacturers have had to, you know, cater to that. If they can take a, a set of technologies right now at the early onset, at development, and kind of standardize it and harmonize it across the globe, that will reduce huge costs for them, be able to bring these products out, you know, to the general public much more rapidly at a much lower cost point, um, and that will benefit safety. It'll be it's something that consumers are interested in, and it's something that right now I think automakers definitely want to do. It's a matter of can the different governments of the different you know countries work together, and it's through standard organizations like the uh, International Standards Organization (ISO) or SAE or you know other organizations. They will set those uh, those standards and ensure that consistency. And yet, in the automotive industry. There's never been a common set of regulations for safety, emissions, fuel economy. Every country says, yeah, let's standardize, but let's standardize right. to our standards. Yeah. Let everybody else change. How is this going to be resolved globally when it comes to autonomy? It's, I think it's a matter of bringing everybody together at the table so that we're talking about before the horse really gets too far away from the barn. Yeah. And if we can get that, I mean, that's happening right now with vehicle to vehicle. Um, you know, we've got cars that can talk to each other. Uh, and that is, you know, being standardized on one same set of frequencies. A lot of the applications are starting to be standardized, and so that's that's an effort that's happening globally. And we're hoping to kind of be able to roll that out in the U.S., Japan, Europe, all with the same type of technology, using the same radio chipset, so that manufacturers can only install it once. Not like your cell phone, which they've got to install different ones for Korea, Europe, and and the U.S. If we can install it once and have it work everywhere, that that would be great. Jude, there's a cost to leadership, but there's a benefit to it as well. Nevada being out in front on this really attracted a huge uh, global introduction on the part of Daimler of showing off its autonomous Class 8 truck, big semi. Yeah. So, I mean, isn't there an opportunity here for the United States to lead, not just legislatively, regulatory-wise, but maybe even technologically as well? I, I think it's a great opportunity. I agree with Chan. It's, it's, this, is, this technology is 
causing us to look at it in a different light. It's not cruise control. It's not any of the other updates that the industry has brought up. This is, this is a new thing that needs to be addressed in a new way, in the right way. And Nevada uh, embraces that. I think the United States is starting to embrace that. I think part of the education, of it, that's key. And the education needs to lead to some type of centralized standards across the board. ANVA is a perfect mechanism to, to start doing that. But we also need to make sure that we're bringing in all the other stakeholders to make sure that that's compliant. And well, that's what ANVA is key. And I, th and I think worldwide, we're all focused on safety. safety. Now, this technology really has the opportunity, provides the benefits of safer driving. Um, and if we can reduce the deaths and injuries that are caused, not just in the U.S., but globally, um, you know, everybody wants to see that happen. So I think the whole world is focused on ways to make this these vehicles safer. I mean, over 90% of the uh, crashes are caused in the U.S. by driver error. So if you can remove some of that error, um, you know, we just stand a much better chance of being a safer world. One of the things, if I may add, too, and it's great, uh, Kathy hit it. The foundation of this, when we talk to any company that comes into Nevada, and I know California does this, too, Safety is the bottom line. So here's our regulations, and a lot of times they've come to us and say, well, a perfect example I just gave at the last meeting was is that um, we have a requirement in our regulations that if the vehicle's uh, in an accident, that vehicle in a separate black box has to record 30 seconds prior to the impact of whether it was in an autonomous mode or not. Well, Daimler says, well, we're we're going to take that far beyond 30 seconds. We'll, if you want to uh, have that information seven years down the line, you can pull that information and we'll have it available. So they'll to record you. it forever. Yeah. What are they putting it in the cloud to do that? Not you sure. You don't know yet. Not right? sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a per but that's a perfect example of saying, hey, the auto, in the the insurance company and law enforcement stakeholders that we had at the table said this is going to be a perfect new set of tools that they can use at the accident scene to help understand what caused the accident. Was it technology or operator error? And so this was a perfect example of how the government and the industry work together. No, no red tape, let's just use common sense and say, this is what we look at. You may not look at it at an engineering level this way, but on a, on a consumer level, administrator level, this is what we looked at. And we worked together and they came up with a technology solution. That's what needs to occur straight across the board. And yet, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a backlash, Kathy, over Big Brothers watching and recording everything I do. You're talking to all kinds of DMVs around. You, I'm sure you're getting this kind of feedback. Absolutely. The DMVs have been focused on privacy of data for many, many years. They have a lot of information, personal information from driver licensing information and uh, vehicle credential information. So they're very focused on data security. They're very... Um, they want to make sure that there is, you know, the, the data is secure and um, it's not, you know, it's not, there's, there isn't any uh, way of hacking into that and to cause some type of um, event that we don't want to happen. So, you know, they're very concerned about it. Chan, I know this is uh, something yeah. near and dear to your heart. Well, I mean, data privacy is a very important issue, you know, for the Congress, but also I mean, the auto manufacturers, the industry recognizes how important this issue is with the cars being as sophisticated as they are, collecting all sorts of data, 
primarily to provide the consumers with a better experience. Navigation, you know, help you out in driving, collecting a lot of data for safety purposes uh, to make sure you're not going to hit the car in front of you. So a lot of the obvious question for consumers is, what's happened to this data? How do I have access to it? And what the manufacturers did, we advised them on this, is the, both the Automobile Association, uh, the Alliance of Automobile Manufacturers and the Association of Global Manufacturers got together and produced a you know, set of privacy principles that they voluntarily you know, adhered to. They, all the members signed up for this, and you know, this is the first of its kind, and when you talk about Internet of Things, I see the automobile as just another Internet of Things node. You, know, you talk about refrigerators and smoke detectors and all that, the car is collecting all this data, but none of those other uh, devices really have a very clear uh, kind of pathway on principles on how that data will be treated. And so the manufacturers went ahead and said, we're going to do this. We're going to you know, respect people's consent. You know, we're going to notify them of what data is being collected, you know, obtain consent before you know, that data will be used, and, and essentially provide you know, all the rights and access to how that data will be controlled, who has access to it after the fact. Um, and those privacy principles have been laid out. It's something that has been really well applauded by both the Federal Trade Commission, by the Congress, as well as by NHTSA. So I think that's a guide. I, no, I, look, I think it sounds great, but to the average consumer, they're going to say, what's in it for me? Why should I give you all this data? Okay, you promise you're going to protect it. Maybe I believe you, maybe. What's in it for me? Uh, how are you going to sell consumers on giving up all this Safety. information? Safety. It's, it's what are they getting in return? And really, you know, just like, you know, with your mobile phone, if you want to be able to use, you know, the maps on your mobile phone, you got to be able to turn on the GPS system. That's how it works. And so when it comes to these vehicle technologies, a lot of that is safety, a lot of it is the consumer benefits. You know, if you want to be able to, um, you know, heaven forbid why you would want to, but if you want to be able to tweet from your car, which some people may want to be able to stay connected in a social network, um, you have to be able to have access to, you know, the, the cell modem on that and have access to those accounts and you're going to be sharing all that. So uh, it, it's a matter of, part of it is you know, consumer demand, what, what, what their expectations are, what they're going to want to be able to do within the vehicle. They're going to take a lot of that experience that they get in with their mobile device, bring it into the vehicle so that it's done in a more safe manner in the center stack through you know, voice recognition so they're not typing away and being distracted. So I think that's a huge benefit. But the other aspect is the safety aspect, the safety components, the safety features of these vehicles. Uh, being able to have the cameras in there and, and notice that if you're dozing off, right. that it'll give you an alert. It'll give you a tug on your seatbelt, the steering wheel will rattle, like, hey, I noticed you're falling asleep. Well, in order for that technology to work, it's got to be watching your eyes and seeing if your eyes are, you know, the laser starting to you know, shut down at 2 in the morning. Right. And some cars already have that technology exactly. right exactly. now. So it's not to come, it's already right. here. It, it is not too far in the future. Yeah. Jude, what were some of the thought process that Nevada went through, especially as concerning consumers? Um, early on when we were building the regulations, we realized that you couldn't, the menu, at some point in time, the manufacturer and the dealerships that sell you that autonomous vehicle, our concern was, is like, and I think has been spoken before, is education. Education has to be defined a little bit even more in depth of saying, I'm not going to give you just the owner's manual, and 99% of the people don't read those. I'm going to give you the owner's manual, but I'm also going to train you on how that the limitations and capabilities of your autonomous vehicle is. I know that sounds fine and good, but you know, most people go in and it's like, I want to drive that new car exactly. home right now. I'll learn about this later. Exactly. But what happens is you get, you get trained, let's say Ford trains you, and you lend the car to your son or your neighbor. Cool. I'm going autonomous but they don't understand the limitations and, and capabilities, and they misuse it, they get in the wreck, cause harm to them or someone else. 
what I would like to do is make sure that the industry and the government and everybody's working together and say, here's our concern. How can technology bridge that gap to make it safe so when you lend that car to your neighbor, that neighbor can't access the autonomous mode. There's some protection in there. There's some device or user system that only you can Thumbprint access. Thumbprint reader, Thumbprint, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You know, or something to that effect. So it protects you, protects the person, and protects everybody on the highway. Because safety, like Kathy said, is the main goal. And those are the things that we look at that I think technology can work with the government and say, let's make sure we're protecting our consumer. Kathy, how do you make sure that consumers really do learn this when they take delivery of their car? Well, it's really going to start, um, it starts with the dealership, it starts with the salespeople, but the consumer has to take some uh, personal ownership, make sure that they do read their owner's manual, that they do understand um, how that vehicle works. And I envision maybe that there's a way of putting a little video in the infotainment center and showing the person how to use the vehicle, how to use certain uh, components of the vehicle uh, before they drive away. So, you know, we're hoping that there is something like that. Um, but there also needs to be, it needs to be ongoing. Um, we need to start thinking about how this changes driver's ed, how this changes driver testing, um, and in a lot of the areas like that, you know, it's, it's going to be ongoing from this point forward, really. Don't you think we're going to see something where you're not going to even be able to get your car until you've proven you've gone through this training? Well, that's, we're not sure about that yet. Um, you know, we're, we're still looking at that. Nevada took the approach that at this point in time, in this snapshot in time, we did not want to take the liability approach and saying, I'm going to train you on your drive examination on autonomous vehicles because it fluctuates. It, the capabilities and limitations are fluctuating between the industry. So how do I test you on that? So we're taking the approach is, is if you let's say another five years, and we still have that rule, we want to test you on your ability to drive that vehicle not in an autonomous mode. But like Kathy said, that's what we're looking at at ANVA to research what it would be the best way to, to handle this. How do you test someone in an autonomous vehicle? But it is right, Nevada has taken the approach of saying, if you come with your autonomous vehicle, you don't assign something in Nevada saying you understand the limitations and capabilities because the liability belongs to the operator in our regulations. Whether you engage it inside the vehicle or outside the vehicle, oh, you are the operator. Interesting. Chan, as you know, the auto industry is enthralled by the concept of autonomous vehicles. It scares the heck out of them, too, <laughs> yeah. because of this liability issue. You, you're, you're the guy from the law firm. How do you see this going? Well, I think you know it's not going to it's not going to evolve you know too dramatically different differently than what we've already seen. I think you know manufacturers have you know due diligence requirements. You know that tort system in the U.S. is pretty well established of you know who's responsible for things. I think what's going to be really interesting when you talk about testing is yeah you know folks from the DMV are very interested in understanding how the operator is understanding how to use the technology. I think it's also going to be really challenging. How do you test these technologies are actually working? Because effectively what you're trying to test for is something that ensuring that a crash did not happen. So how do you prove that over, you know, reliably? How do you develop a test scenario, a test requirement, or a test regime that NHTSA can, you know, that can require that all the manufacturers can, you know, adhere to and demonstrate, you know, the vehicle is, is behaving the way it should at a stop sign, at a red light, when it's coming to a stop, you know, two car lanes behind a vehicle, is it doing that on a regular, reliable basis? That's going to be very interesting to see how that gets promulgated. Yeah. 
Kathy, same question. How do you think this whole liability issue is going to be addressed? Well, I, you know, I think that the, the insurance industry is well established. We've been talking about um, this issue with the insurance companies. They're concerned. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to take some, uh, some, probably some new laws, some new understandings uh, with the, the, between the general public and the insurance industry. Jude, you're saying the, the approach Nevada's taking is it's the operator who's going to be liable. Uh, what if you find out, hey, this sensor didn't work or it didn't fit in with the system as it should have? And that, that goes into the existing legal realm, if you want to say that. Uh, that's why we came up with the 30-second impact if there was an accident, that that could be used by the, the attorneys and so forth to say, hey, that was clearly a technology based on the data that was subpoenaed on that, and the technology was direct result of that impact, or it was operator error. So those are the things we're looking at uh, as well. But the key point, and I'm not an attorney, but at the same time, the attorneys are going to look at it, was it the car that did it or the operator? That will always be the first question, it seems like. And that's what we're looking at. Right. I think, you know, that distinction between, you know, did the car do it or the operator do it will always, you know, kind of be, you know, in existence. That's where NHTSA, as the, you know, federal regulator, their responsibility is to conduct defect investigations. And so if there is a sensor that failed, either in production or faulty code or whatever, they will be looking into that. Much like, you know, they're exploring GM ignition switches and Takata airbags, you know, that's just an extension of a defect function. And that will always be there. Understood. Uh, Jude, uh, Daimler could have gone anywhere in the world to show off this autonomous truck. They could have done it in Germany in their home base, or they chose Nevada, clearly because of the legislation that you guys pioneered. But my question really is, is there going to be a difference in how autonomous commercial vehicles are treated versus passenger cars? Yeah, we're looking at that right now, and like Kathy said, um, regulations and the policies are always evolving because it's a living, breathing document. So um, our regulations were built on straight across the board. If you come in with a passenger vehicle, autonomous or a commercial, you're under the same um, safety requirements, two people in the vehicle, uh, on and off switch, safety alert mechanisms involved there, um, and other testing requirements that we have in our regulations. We do see in the horizon where we'll be meeting with a lot of the uh, um, manufacturers like Daimler or i uh, like to get some uh, other manufacturers like Volvo and others that are in, in, interested in the autonomous on the commercial end, as well as other stakeholders to get them at the table and say, how can we make sure on a safety level, because it will always be about safety, how can we enhance our regulations to make sure that we're partnering properly but s protecting our consumers? We don't, want, we don't want a commercial vehicle testing with uh, pulling doubles or triples. We don't want them pulling any hazardous material while they're testing, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, So those are the things we're looking at, common sense approach to safety. Well, this is one of the most exciting technologies I've ever seen in my career time in automotive. I've got to believe it's uh, so exciting for you. With that, we're going to have to wrap it up, but I want to thank the three of you. Jude Huron, Kathy Curtis, Chan Lu, thanks so much for your time today. Very interesting. Thank Can't you. wait to see how this all develops. Thank you. And of course, I want to thank all of you for having tuned in. Underwriting for the production of Auto Line this week has been provided by.
Auto Line is brought to you in part by the commercial vehicle brands of Tenneco, pioneering global ideas for cleaner air and quieter, smoother, and safer transportation. Warner, developing advanced technologies specifically aimed at reducing emissions, increasing fuel economy, and improving performance. Our award-winning innovations extend from turbocharging and cooling systems to friction materials and diesel cold start technology. Built on a century-long reputation of innovation and reliability, we have the track record that proves our technology can help meet the challenges of the commercial truck and off-highway industry. Deloitte's Automotive Group is at the forefront, driving transformation and tackling complex challenges. Whether you are interested in globalizing operations, optimizing supply chains, mitigating enterprise risk, or driving innovation, Deloitte can help develop solutions that create long-lasting value. To learn more about Deloitte's Automotive Group, visit us online at deloitte.com backslash US backslash automotive.